It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for joining us today on Raider Nation Radio as we're counting down to the NFL Draft. And we're brought to you by PT's Taverns. Sign up for true rewards and earn points when you eat, drink, and play. And you can use your points to buy the next round. Plus, much more, the PT's Ranch Baby Back Ribs. Campfire Beans Coleslaw Beer. Now, that's a balanced meal. Head on out to any of the 64 Plus locations as PTs has always been fueling my monologue since the birth of Raider Nation Radio. A lot to get to today. Ryan Leaf will join us on the quarterbacks. Ryan Leaf was the second overall quarterback taken in the same draft as Peyton Manning. We know what happened there. He's way beyond that. Now he's an analyst, and he does a lot of good work. He does a lot of radio. Pac-12 radio, he's really good. There's not many people out there that I would rather have on to break down these quarterbacks here as we lead up to next Thursday. So Ryan Leaf a little bit later on in the show. Also Russell Baxter, the former content provider for ESPN, great NFL insider, one of the go-to guys I go to. He's going to come on. We'll talk about needs for the Raiders and several other teams as we get ready for the draft. We are all over that. And Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus, the lead draft analyst. So As I told you, we're lining up the best people I could possibly line up locally and nationally to try to get them on here to get you ready for the draft a week from Thursday. Lincoln Kennedy will join us tomorrow, as we'll also have some guests on who are just exclusively covering the Raiders as we lead up to that draft a week from Thursday, where I'll be anchoring the draft with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen, and we'll do that from the Raider facility And I'm really excited about that. So Raider Nation, this is it. This is your wheelhouse. When you don't make the playoffs, and take it from me, this will be my 23rd year with the team. When you don't make the playoffs, the offseason is long. Offseason is long for everybody, even if you go to the Super Bowl. It's a long offseason. But if you don't make the playoffs and you end playing football on New Year's Eve right around that time, and you don't play until the following September, that's a big break. It feels like a whole year. Until you have a lot to talk about, and the draft is really important, backing up free agency, and I thought the Raiders were obviously very active in free agency. I think the Raiders did a lot in free agency that's going to help them on defense. They added a whole bunch of defensive linemen, and yesterday they brought in a defensive back who helps them with depth. Rasul Douglas is added to their cornerback mix, as it was reported in several Insiders talked about it, including Vinny Bonsignor, who you hear every day at 4 o'clock. Originally a third-round pick from the Eagles in 2017. He's six foot two, and 210 pounds. He's a big guy. He's played uh, how many seasons? Two seasons with the Eagles, one with Carolina over the past four years. Last year in Carolina, he started 11 games and had 62 tackles and nine pass breakups. That's not bad. That's probably good enough to start on the Raiders. But I don't want to say that he's going to be a starter on the Raiders because the Raiders have invested in Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett. 
but he adds depth, and guys get hurt in this COVID protocol, and guys aren't available. So it seems like he's solid. The, the only downside that I got from talking to people, especially one, an Eagles insider told me he's slow. He's just not fast. He's not a fast player, but he would be pretty good in Gus Bradley's system because of his height and ability to play zone. So we'll see what he does. He'll line up as an outside cornerback. He played 31 snaps at slot cornerback, which is a really big deal because LaMarcus Joyner is no longer around. So if you look at this signing, the Raiders added depth, and they I thought they added a lot of depth in the offseason on the defensive line, as we've all talked about, a tremendous amount of depth. So the Raiders now, if you look at this cornerback who comes in and adds depth, let's just assume for this conversation that he starts. He's got a lot more experience than Damon Arnett. So depending on what that schedule looks like with week one and these voluntary workouts being a joke and the fact that they're not going to have a lot of time to be with the players because that's just where we're at, he might start. And if he starts on the opposite side of Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett's able to come on in and play and, I don't know, they give him a breather, whatever happens in some type of rotation, I think the Raiders probably got a little bit better. But they did not bring in a star-studded free agent corner yesterday. What they did was Mike Mayock waited for the market to fall and for the price to be right, and there wasn't really a big commitment financially for a player who should add depth at the position. And we all know that the Raiders need depth. They need depth all over this team from the offensive line, which is what they're thinking about heading into the draft. They have the 17th pick overall. Uh, Then if you look at where they draft the rest of the way, the 48th pick and the 79th pick and the 80th pick. Okay, so two third-round picks, the 15th and 16th pick overall, the third round. So they have four picks in the top 80, and two of those picks have to start. Two of those picks have to be starters. And look, it might not be the 48th pick. Maybe the Raiders in the 79th pick get a right tackle that they like. If they don't get one in the first round, then he blows everybody away and he can play. I doubt it if he's taken 79th overall, but possibly there could be someone in there who can compete for a starting spot for the Raiders. So Raiders added corner depth yesterday. I think that's a good sign. Obviously, they vetted this player, and they think he could come in and help, and they think he could play, and we know that he has film. We know he's had several interceptions. For those wondering why the Raiders don't intercept the ball a lot, and this guy's had uh, past breakups, so he's a guy who's played. And I really think that's such a huge topic for all of us to talk about going forward. Do you want guys now at this stage in your Raider fandom who there's tape on, they've played in the league, you know what they can do. They might not be great, they might not be pro bowlers, but you've seen them play enough which you're comfortable you can put them out there and they won't get burned. This could be that player in the Gus Bradley system, and that story broke yesterday while we were on the air, and I didn't get a chance to get to it. So let's go with that. And if you like the corner depth, if you have a question with the cornerbacks or what the Raiders should do in their secondary, today would be a good day to cover it as we're counting down for the draft. 702-365-9200 is the number. Here in my office, I have 11 mock drafts printed out. 11. And some of them are 5.0 and Mel Kuyper's 4.0. I even have my sons stapled together. Both my sons put together a mock draft. And I have their stapled here because they, they love sports and they love putting together a mock draft. So now we're getting an understanding about what some of these mock drafts say about the Raiders at 17. 
Several mock drafts are now believing that the linebacker who I want out of Penn State, Micah Parsons, could drop the 17. There's been some character issues, bullying in the past, a riot in high school, things that happen in high school. Are they red flags? Absolutely. Could be a red flag. I don't know. I've never interviewed him. I'm sure the, the Raiders are vetting him, but I know that he could start at linebacker and be an impact guy. Can the Raiders afford to draft someone with a character issue or two? I don't know. That's open for debate. You'd like to have all these kids be at the highest regard out of Clemson and Alabama, and Nick Saban says they're great players and character guys. It always doesn't work out that way. So I'm seeing more and more mock drafts talk about the Raiders getting a linebacker, and then the other mock drafts seem to have the Raiders taking Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, or Christian Derrishaw, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. So what I've seen with my analysis with mock drafts from guys who are putting their name on it. So these are people that are putting out a mock draft, their name on it, and they get paid to get this right. And they're not going to lose their job if they don't get the pick right, but they get paid to get the pick right. Bucky Brooks, I go around. There's a lot of people that believe it's going to be one of three players. Christian Darisaw, Virginia Tech, offensive tackle. Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, offensive tackle or Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. I have no problem with any of those three. I don't know how you could either. Those are the type of guys you're going to get at 17. And if they're available at 17, you have multiple choices of a tackle who can start under Tom Cable's system at right tackle, which is a hell of a hole to have. Trent Brown is not here. He doesn't deserve to be here, but they got to fill that role. And then on the defensive side, I'm good with another edge rusher. Someone who can play linebacker but come off the edge and do that too. So that's about it today. I don't think that the Raiders are going to take Patrick Sertain. I don't think he's going to be available. I don't think the Raiders are in the market for Trey Lance at quarterback. No one's thinking that. And I don't think the Raiders are in the market for a wide receiver after taking Henry Ruggs third. I don't think they're going to be able to get Devontae Smith. Even if he's available, I don't think that would be a solid pick overall. But it could be Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman out of USC. He could be available. Or the cornerback out of Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley, could be available. I don't know. It could be the linebacker out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owasu Karamoa, who is a fantastic cover linebacker who can cover tight ends, something that the Raiders haven't had in a long time. So what we're doing is we're narrowing down the pick, right? That's all we're doing. And we're counting on you to participate with your pick. Now, if you're a very sophisticated Raider fan who's into mock drafts, this is your show for the next week. You can give us a couple of players and really break it down. We'd appreciate that. If you want to do what we're going to do with Russell Baxter later in the show, where he's not into picking players, he's into talking about need, then I think this is a really big strength of the Raider fans and the Raider Nation is talking about the need of the Raiders. Now, that tends to be a negative conversation, and I'm very atone and an adept to that. I know what it's like to deal with negative Raider fans. No one on God's green earth in the media has dealt with more negative Raider fans than I have over 20 years. It comes with the job. But also, I get tremendous joy out of hanging out with Raider fans, talking to Raider fans, having a beer with them at the game, because these are some of the most passionate fans that I've ever met in all of sports. So there's a lot of emotion in the Raider Nation that you don't see with Carolina fans, Houston Texan fans. You know, you don't get the emotion 
of the fans that you get with the Raider fans who are at times very triggered and at times very emotional. And I think that's a great formula for sports radio, don't you? You don't tune into sports radio. See, nowadays you tune into sports radio to hear clown shows. Guys talking not about sports for like 40 minutes about what they had for breakfast. You can do that, and some people actually listen to that garbage because they connect with the guys who talk about the breakfast burrito they had or what they did in their apartment on a Tuesday night. I don't do that. I like to take my time, which is very valuable because your time is valuable, and talk sports. And at times it could be too intense, too serious. I take it too serious. Okay, you know what you got here, but I'm going to give you everything I have. And I think that's where we're at now. It's time to go all in on the draft and really, really get into it and be critical. Be critical about what hasn't worked. I told you yesterday that Gruden and Mayock combined were ranked dead last by NFL.com as a coach executive position on picking players in the last four years. They can handle it. Mike Mayock's a TV guy. You don't think he can handle it? And John Gruden handles everything. John Gruden tells us the bad news before anybody in the Raider Nation. That's why oftentimes I laugh at Raider fans when they tweet at me or they say something about Gruden, and I go, you don't think Gruden knows this? You don't think Gruden knows the difference between a win or a loss or one of his players not being there in the end zone on the last play of a game against Kansas City or having first and goal at the four with Marcus Mariota putting the Chargers away? You don't think Gruden knows that? Gruden comes on after the game first. First, I'm the guy that comes on after the game first after Brent Musburger throws it to me. And then what I do is I sit in the broadcast booth and we wait for John Gruden to walk to the podium. And my job is to say, let's go to the podium. Not a very difficult job. (laughs) Very easy job. I'm basically stalling. And the game's over and I'm there with Eric Allen and we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And here comes John Gruden and say it with me. Let's go down to the podium. Here's the head coach of the Silver and Black. And the first thing John Gruden does is admit his mistakes. Every time. Doesn't need the Raider fans. They're all lining up on hold on the phone, ready to bash the coach or a player who made a mistake. And John Gruden goes out there and tells you exactly what happens. He's very accountable. And it's incredible. He's a great guy. Everybody who meets Gruden loves him. They don't like him. They love him. But he's got a bunch of fans in his own community, in his own team, that take shots at him on Facebook. You know, the Raiders will post something about Gruden, and you'll go down and 11 people will rip him. And they have names like Raider Mickey and Raider Dave and Raider Alicia, and you're like, wow. But you can't stop it. you got to let people voice their anger and frustration. So this is a time of year where there shouldn't be a lot of anger and frustration. People are going on stadium tours and loving it. People are going to the Raider image and loving it. People are just loving life, man. The weather here in Vegas is incredible. It's like Maui today. I literally got in the pool this morning. It is perfect outside. Best golf weather I've seen all year is right now. But you got Raider fans that are on edge because the draft is a week from Thursday. And you and I and Gruden and Mayock don't know who's going to be available at 17. So let's have some fun with it. Let's enjoy it. Let's get around this pick. Try to get the pick right and have a lot of fun. I think we can do it. 702-365-9200. And whatever you suggest, I'm good with. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're nuts and you're wrong unless you think they're going to take Justin Fields, a quarterback, and trade up. Unless you have something outlandish. I think that anything you say makes sense. If you want to get a safety, if you want to get a safety in the first round, say goodbye to John Abram. 
Okay, that'll be my response to you. If you want to get a safety in the first round, you're quitting on John Abram. And if you want to do that, you have the right to do that. If you want to get a cornerback in the first round, you are quitting on either Trayvon Mullen or Damon Arnett. Fact, not fiction. You can't start three cornerbacks. Technically, you could put one in the slot where you know where I'm going there. If you want to get a linebacker like I do with the first round pick, you're suggesting that the three linebackers who are starters for the Raiders, one of them's going to at least be a backup. I'm really cool with that. As a matter of fact, I'd love that. I'd like to take one of these three starting linebackers and have them sweat it out that they're not going to play because they better get their ass in the building and be great. Because the new guy coming in, Micah Parsons, is going to have their job. I'm all into that topic. And then if you want to add another edge rusher, I'm not into that topic as much because I'm a big mad Max Crosby guy. So you got Yannick Ngakwe on one side, Cleland Farrell, and Mad Max. So if you add an edge rusher, then you're going to be taking reps away from Mad Max. And you're not taking any reps away from Yannick Ngakwe. He's the star of the Raiders on the defense. Now, if you add a defensive tackle, I'm going to push back a little bit also and say, well, why did they add six or seven defensive tackles in the offseason if they were just going to go get one in the draft? So there'd be a little pushback there. Then you're going to get to the offensive line. And I don't think there'll be any pushback from me on that. Where could it be? Right tackle I'm fine with. You want to add another guard? Richie Incognito is not available since he's been a Raider. He's not very available. He's very well liked, and he's a tough guy. He's a badass, but he doesn't play much. And then you could look at, I think, Andre James being safe at the center position. And Nick Martin, they have depth at the center position. If you want to get another guard, I would say go ahead and do it, but get it in the second or third round, not in the first round. And then when it comes to the offense, I really like this offense a lot. And I did last year, too, and it was really the saving grace for the Silver and Black that they had an offense that was top 10 in the league, led by Derek Carr, who had Darren Waller break Tim Brown's all-time single-season catch record. Henry Ruggs III is a baby. He's a fawn, little baby deer in the woods, just learning to play in the NFL. And as I see, he's healthy. He's ready to go. I like Edward's size. He looks to be a young Des Bryant, size and strength. But Des Bryant made plays. We'll see if this kid can. And then I'm good with the depth of the tight end position. Kenyon Drake is the best backup running back in all of football. And Marcus Mariota is the best backup quarterback in all of football. And then I think Hunter Renfro could be really good. And I think Hunter Renfro is a very good player, but this has got to be a breakout year for him. This has got to be a year where we just don't say, you know, Hunter Renfro, third and Renfro, third and Renfro. No, 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 no. Enough of that. Get the guy the ball. Get him in the end zone and get the production up significantly. Rugs and Renfro make up for all the chatter and background noise about what's going to happen at the wide receiver position. You have Ruggs, Renfro, and Waller. Those three individuals should gobble up all the passes. And then everybody else who catches a ball, it's great. You know, you see Jones catch a ball or six in a game. That's great. Aguilar did that last year. Aguilar isn't here. So that's what I think about the depth of the Raiders. I think it's going to probably come down to right tackle, and I'm not going to blow a gasket on that, but I'd rather see him take defense. And if Micah Parsons is available, I'm not changing my tune. I would trade up and get him. Am I concerned about the character issues? A little bit. Yeah. How could you not be? But I think if they're going to take him and they're going to trade up to get him or just 
wait for him to drop there if that's the case. The Raiders will be able to do that. The Raiders have had several players since the birth of this franchise in 1960 that have had character issues and have worked out fine when they've come in here. So that's the monologue. We'll get you on the radio if you want to call in, 702-365-9200. And I'd like to get details, details on the need and the pick if you have it. We're looking for the Raider fans to step up and jump in and do your part. Do your part. Have an opinion on what the team should do. You can hit me up on Twitter, at JT the Brick. Stoner dude, what a surprise on 420, which is also my youngest sister's birthday. How are you, my friend? You know I had to call in on 420, JT. And happy 420 to all my fellow cannabis enthusiasts out there. <laughs> Celebrate good times. Peace, love, and freedom. You know, JT, everyone's talking about that 17th pick. I know, I know deep down that Gruden is just constantly looking at those offensive linemen. You know he's going to be tempted to just pull the trigger and get his guy to fill that void. Uh, but you know what? You know, I always call about defense, JT. Last year I wanted a linebacker, Kenneth Murray, because I keep hearing you talk about linebackers. You know, we went and got Damon Arnett. And now I'm kind of just thinking the same thing as you are. Micah Parsons, if he's there, maybe even make a move to go get him. But either way, I'm, I'm thinking about defense all the time. And, you know, you're talking about the safety position. Yeah, I love Jonathan Abram, but I keep looking at that kid, Trayvon Moore, I go over there from TCU, plays smart, has great instincts. Uh, he takes great angles. He hits hard. But most of all, JT, and I do this every year for 20 years, I need a defensive tackle. I know we've been stocking up, and I know we got a lot of depth. But And I like the competition, but I'm not convinced that we're set. I know it's not going to be number 17, but maybe somewhere in those two or three, first two or three picks, I'm hoping Mike Mayock might go out and find a guy like he found Max Crosby. I like the kid J2 Fele from USC. I think mm-hmm. he's got a motor and he hits hard. He might be the future. Um, oh, yeah, one last thing, JT. 45 years ago. Rush releases 2112, um, the world uh, famous groundbreaking album. Man, uh, I'm gonna sit here, listen to Rush all day 2112, celebrate 420, and listen to some picks here on, on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks a lot, JT. Sounds like a good day to me. Uh, Stoner dude checking in on 420. I wouldn't know, but does the amount of cannabis sales go up on 420? Is that the history of it? Is is it like the stock market? That was down big today when I woke. I wake up with the stock market any every morning. Uh, is the cannabis market up on 420? Uh, defensive tackle for the Raiders would be great. I have a CBS mock draft in front of me. CBS Sports has the Raiders at 48 taking Richie Grant, the safety, out of UCF. So the second pick, maybe the Raiders get their safety. And that's okay. Again, if you think the Raiders need a safety, I believe they do. They have to get a safety in the draft. They will. But if you look at the history of them grabbing safeties, man, it's been a rough ride. It really has. And we talked about this a while ago with Richard Sherman. Remember when Charles Woodson went from corner on the back end of his career to safety and it worked out fine? I don't think Richard Sherman could probably do that at the level of Woodson. But to fit into the system – To get an aging cornerback that can move over to safety with veteran leadership, man, that makes a little bit of sense to me. It definitely makes a little bit of sense to me, someone that knows the system. More and more when I read these mock drafts, people are talking about Gus Bradley's system. That's why they went out and got a cornerback 
yesterday that could fit the system of Gus Bradley. And you're going to hear that a lot about the technique to play zone, how to be a press corner, how to make sure someone doesn't run by you, how to make sure that if there is safety help over the top, the actual safety is over the top. Remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick made that play to beat the Raiders, Miami beat the Raiders, and basically a corner let someone run right by him? I'm done with that. No one's running by you. Stay with your man. Get your hands on the player the way Willie Brown was able to do it. Willie Brown is the greatest corner in Raider history. You could say that with Lester Hayes and Charles Woodson. The Raiders have had some great corners. And what they did was they were able to stay with their men. That's the problem I've had with the Raiders secondary over a number of years, dating back to Reggie McKenzie even before that. The, the individuals who play in the secondary aren't able to stay with their men. And the problem comes down to the pass rush. If you don't have a great pass rush, there's only a certain amount of time. There's only a certain amount of time that a cover corner or a safety can hold the fort down on the back end. And that's why I believe that the Raiders and John Gruden and Mayock were so active. They were so active in free agency to just bring in a bunch of guys on the defensive line who are going to be able to uh, make plays and hopefully get that pass rush going. How is Stoner dude the only one to call in the day a week before the draft? And we're on everywhere on this Raiders app, from London all the way to New York to Florida. Let's get this place going every day. We come off of a national show. This is a local show in Vegas that can be heard nationally. Let's get some Raider fans going here. Again, you got opinions. We want to hear from you. Ryan Leaf will join us. Mike Renner will check in. Russell Baxter. And also, a little bit later on in the show, I'm hoping to hear from Bruce Cusick, who's the public address announcer for the Golden Knights. He's fantastic. And he had an opportunity last night at the Fortress to introduce Patrick Marlowe who played in the most hockey games ever and passed Gordie Howe's record. I'm on the radio every night, as you know, and I watched the Golden Knights on one of the TVs, and I was jumping out of my seat the way the Knights came back and won that game against the Sharks. And the class that they showed after the game by staying on the ice for Marlowe, shaking his hand, and the tribute. It was a great night. It's so sad that more fans weren't in the fortress last night because that was one of the most historic nights in NHL history. The Cal Ripken baseball record of the NHL was broken last night in Las Vegas. And not only did the Golden Knights come back and win, but the Golden Knights after the game showed so much grace, dignity, professionalism, and sportsmanship. How could you not love this team? I mean, I, this is what happens in hockey. The level of sportsmanship in hockey is absolutely incredible. Thrilled by that last night. I had so much I have so much joy watching the Golden Knights win and how they win. That overtime last night was wild. They win in the shootout. Robin Leonard stops all the shots. We'll get to that. And then they stayed on the ice to pay tribute to a hockey player who's played in more games than any hockey player of all time. If you had a ticket to that game last night, let me know if you were in the building, how cool that was, 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Bell Solar and Electrical Systems, and you should get ready to go. They are hiring. If you're looking for a job, Bell Solar can get you going. We'll tell you the number, the website. Just jump on board because Bell Solar is hiring, and they got good jobs. If you're interested in applying for a sales position with Bell Solar, 
Call 702-979-1277. Get back to work. How about getting back to work as a sales professional at Bell Solar, the premier solar and electrical company in all of Southern Nevada? Their number is 702-979-1277. Former quarterback Ryan Leaf is going to join us. Lawrence takes a shotgun snap, blitz coming. Lawrence rolls right, looking back of the end zone, throws, Higgins there, caught a touchdown. That was like Dwight Clark. That was like Montana it Clark. Was. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, no doubt, number one, the ceiling. You always hear about the ceiling and the upside. I think it's safe to say Jacksonville's getting a hell of a player. Uh, joining us as we kick off Raider Nation Radio on this beautiful day, Ryan Leaf, former number two pick in the NFL draft and now a fantastic analyst when it comes to college football. Ryan, appreciate you coming on, and I got to believe you're one of the premier guests I could have on this time of year with all the quarterbacks coming out and all the analysis you've done on them. Well, yeah, it, it, it wasn't uh, for a long time. It wasn't the, the best of uh, interviews. It was more on here for different reasons. This, this has gotten to be much better over the last few years working it now that I'm, you know, actually doing some analysis around all of it. So, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time for these young men. Uh, you know, it would be a dream come true. It was, I think, 23 years ago yesterday for me. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on that because we've talked a bunch over the years, and I had you on my podcast, and your sobriety is where you're at, your family. I mean, that ship has sailed back when you were drafted. That is way in your past, and you're a great analyst now from the beginnings on the Dan Patrick Show and now what you're doing as an individual host and a co-host. So now I want to take the valuable time I have with you to talk about these players because let's start with Trevor Lawrence, the Sports Illustrated article showed how either complex he is, or maybe he's not complex. He doesn't put football as this ultimate priority in his life, but he wants to win, and he has been a winner. How do you describe his mental mindset? I think he's got a great mental mindset, and I have a little you know, insight to this, right? I spent six, seven days with Clemson a year ago, uh, You know, worked with the team, with spoke to them, spent a lot of time in that quarterback room, uh, got to know Trevor. Um, you know, we've you know when he's when he's needed some insight, he's texted me and 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 vice versa. When when he had some some tough losses there a year ago in the national championship, and then this year in the national semifinal, knowing he was going to take the next step, at the next level. And he is he is, you know, the story is the story, right? It, it of course any story that's written before draft time is going to be hyperbole in a sense that they got up they have to have an angle. And Michael Rosenberg is a great writer, but he had an angle that, hey, you know, his dad says, you know, he could walk away from the game right now and be okay. And guess what? Um, he better be ready to be able to do that because the average length of a career is 2.8 years. Uh, if he could play for 15 years, he'd do it because he loves to play football. He's loved it for as far back as he can, and he'll continue to do it at the highest level. He is the best quarterback in this year's draft. He was the number one overall pick two years ago after he won the national championship against Alabama. And to prove that he is that good, nothing has changed over the last two years. Ryan Leaf is our guest. Is it fair to bring up, and that angle is interesting that you talked about in SI, because Andrew Luck walked away from the game, a really sharp guy out of Stanford who 
came in under Oliver Luck and was one of those guys who was going to be uber successful in his life anyway, and he walked away, and a lot of people are still coming to grips with that. Yeah, and that's okay, right? He played his, his heart out, but the injuries took a toll. And um, the NFL continues to show us um, year in, year out, day in, day out, that they are not concerned with you after you leave the game. So you have to be the best possible version of yourself when you do. And it's, that's hard to do when you're taking a beating like that to your head, to your body, and you want to have – I mean, you know, if, let's say you play 12 years in the league, which is uh, an astronomical number, you know. I think the number of players that have played eight years in the NFL over the last 100 years has been 1,000. So it, it's a small number. Let's say you play 12 years. You're 35 years old. You could have – you know, another 45 years or more of your life mm-hmm. left. And you've got to be the best possible version of yourself, not just economically, but physically and mentally. And so, you know, Andrew thought it was the right time. And I guess that that's a fear that a, a lot of teams have to have in play in ownership. And you go out and spend money on a, on a big-time draft pick, and he, he plays his initial contract. He signs another big one, and a year later, you're like, you know, I just don't know if I want to – I don't want to do this anymore – I want to be with my family and everything like that, and that is all okay. But I think more players have to think that way because the NFL has just clearly shown that you know, we, we only care about when you're in it and making us money. We don't care about you when you leave and could be dying uh, you know, at 38 years old. That's, that's not, we don't, we're not interested in that. Ryan Leaf is our guest. So Steve Young kind of leaked that Zach Wilson – BYU, Steve Young, and that connection that the Jets were recruiting him and his family. It seems like the Jets clearly have their guy, undersized quarterback, but we've seen so many successful undersized quarterbacks recently. When you look at the tape and what he can do, because in his pro day, another freak who can roll out against his body, plant, throw off the wrong foot, 70 yards, 60 yards, into the corner of the end zone, beautiful spiral, what jumps out at you why he's worthy of the number two pick for the Jets? Well, I, I don't know if he's worthy of the number two pick for the Jets, but he's the, <laughs> the next available one. I don't necessarily think this year's draft is incredibly deep at the quarterback position. It's just that teams need quarterbacks, and these are what are available. Um, I, I, I'm, so, I'm surprised at this. I'm surprised that Justin Fields is not the consensus choice for the number two overall pick. I... Um, I was a little surprised to hear that from Steve because some of the people I've heard from, you know, have kind of told me don't be too surprised if if uh, the commissioner walks up to the podium on Thursday night and says, you know, Justin Fields' name to the New York Jets. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't mm-hmm. wish anything on anybody uh, when it comes to the New York Jets. They destroyed Mark Sanchez's career. They destroyed Sam Darnold's career. Uh, it's a systemic problem there. They're going to they're gonna destroy Zach Wilson's career, regardless of the new head coach in there. I just I, – I, it's, it's a problem there. And so if you go later than second, boy, you have a really good chance to be su- successful, especially with the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and that prestigious uh, organization drafting third. Ryan Leap's our guest. So, Ryan, let's go to Mac Jones, and I'm one of the guys falling into this trap – I'm believing, and I never played at your level and played college football, that the ceiling isn't high because I, th- I don't see the athletic body when, when Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who we get to, are running the 40 and their shirts are off and they have 12 packs and they look like tight ends running downhill. And then I look at Mac Jones and I'm like, whoa, that, that's not the athlete that these two other guys are. But maybe Shanahan loves him because the ball comes out clean. 
he, he's really good when it comes to percentages, and he led. He worked under Nick Saban, and he won in Alabama. What jumps out at you with Mac Jones? Well, you know, JT, what quarterbacks have won Super Bowls over the last two decades? Not guys that look like, you know, who have yeah. six-packs and 12-packs and are running around. They're a guy that looks like, uh, you know, he – you know, works at a uh, Jimmy John's, and he's won seven Super Bowls, right? I mean, he's a pretty he, – he's a GQ model that works at Jimmy John's, but he, he's winning Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger, a big, uh, immobile quarterback. Peyton Manning, guy didn't move anywhere. Eli Manning, you know, Joe Flacco. You know, the only guy that has really moved around and made a real difference is Patrick Mahomes. But guess what? He doesn't have a 12-pack either, you know? He's kind of, he's kind of uh, stocky, and uh, he's just – capable of kind of moving around and doing some crazy things with his arms. So, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to jump into that. I'll take mm-hmm. – ultimately, Mac Jones was a better quarterback than both Jalen Hurts and Tua to Tungavailoa. Uh, mm-hmm. Ironically enough, he was the third-string guy behind him and ended up being the best one, the only guy that actually took a team from start to finish to a national championship. You know, I don't buy into the idea that he had a ton of weapons around him. What, what the hell did Joe Burrow have? Was he thrown to a bunch of bums? He's going to have a guy named Justin Jefferson and a guy named Jamar Chase go high in the first round of the NFL draft in consecutive years, right? Those are the guys that he was thrown to, too. One thing, both things can be true. Like, you can have great talent around you, and you can be incredibly talented. And what he did in Steve Sarkeesian's offense last year was miraculous. So I, I, I assume Kyle Shanahan's seen that now. But I can't tell you who's going to go three. I really can't. I can't tell you whether it's Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields, or, um, or, or Mac Jones. But um, I think whoever goes, that's going to be the best possible fit. If there's a guy that goes to Atlanta, uh, I think that's a really good fit too with, uh, uh, with their new head coach in place and, and, and where they're going from there. And then I do think that there's going to be a sixth quarterback taken in the first round. I really do. I think, there's, uh, I think a team's going to move up uh, because of the fifth-year option by drafting a quarterback in the first round, similar to what the Ravens did. And I think that quarterback's going to be Davis Mills out of Stanford, a guy that – has had a real meteoric, uh, meteoric rise here through the draft process after only starting 12 games in college. But people you know, really likened him to Andrew Luck, especially around the talent level of it all. Ryan Leaf is our guest. So, Ryan, the, the lack of reps for Trey Lance is fascinating. So everybody's saying the interview process, he blows everybody away. Everybody loves him. Then the individual workouts and all the measurables – but the lack of football, the lack of reps on 15 months here, wow, what do you do? Because when Jordan Love was drafted behind Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers wasn't thrilled about it. A lot of Packer fans didn't get it. They needed to get Aaron Rodgers' help, and they didn't do it, and Aaron Rodgers hasn't won a Super Bowl since, even though he's an MVP. Where do you slot Trey Lance? Is he a project or a guy you can throw in maybe after six or seven games and just let him figure it out? I I don't get what his – upside is other than his athletic ability I haven't seen enough of him yeah that's that, that's that's a big part of it you know I have him as my my fifth ranked quarterback well not actually I'm in my sixth ranked quarterback I got Davis Mills ahead of him actually okay um but I I do think that uh if if Shanahan and John Lynch and the 49ers fell in love with somebody uh, and moved up to get somebody like that, I think it was Trey Lance because they have they have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. They have faith that if he stays healthy, because the lone year he stayed healthy for all 16 games, they went to a Super Bowl and were a quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. The other two years he, is, he has been injured. He has just flat out been injured. So they feel comfortable with the guy that they bring in who could who could sit for a year or two possibly and learn 
It also depends on how many preseason games they get to play. I think the development part of that really was hampered last year in, in learning if you pick the right quarterback. Like the Indianapolis Colts clearly didn't get enough from Jacob Eason last year that they had to go get Carson Wentz in the offseason, and, and Jacob has been regulated to you know, a, a backup again this year because you just, you just didn't have a chance to develop and, and get to see these quarterbacks. Hopefully they'll have – uh, a preseason for that. So I, I think he's a guy that's going to either go to, I think with the best fits is if you have a quarterback in place and you can draft uh, him and let him sit and learn. So Atlanta's a spot uh, and San Francisco's a spot. And guess what? They're picking third and fourth. So those are real good opportunities for Trey Lance to get picked up there and not have the pressure of having to play right away. Hey, Ryan, as we wrap this up, you were a part of an unbelievable draft with Peyton Manning. When you look back on these drafts where everybody wants to evaluate the quarterback, where do you stand with the six that you mentioned here? Do you believe, does your gut tell you this is going to be legendary, or is it going to turn out like everyone? One's going to be a Hall of Famer. One's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. One might be average. Another guy might be out of the league in two years. You've been doing this a while now and been around the league. What do you think is going to happen? What's your gut tell you? Well, this is all depends on where you go, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, that's yeah. a huge part of this. So, um, I mean, the, the law of averages and what we've watched over the last, you know, 30 years of, of picking quarterbacks in the first round, it's not 50-50. It's much worse than that, right? It's more like 20-80, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I expect that, you know. I think it's going to be really hard for Trevor Lawrence to, you know, be uber successful in the NFL. He may be. <coughs> excuse me. He may be. But he's going to play for the Jags. And that's the problem. They've never had a Hall of Famer in their career. Um, it, it's going to be difficult for him to be successful there. And so how you rate that career will be up to, you know, the historians, I guess. Mm-hmm. The Jets for me, I mean, Zach Wilson is just going to be an afterthought. You know, it, it just is. Mark Sanchez took the team to two AFC championships in back-to-back years, his rookie and second year, and all he's remembered for in New York is the butt fumble. It's absurd. It's That's not who he was. But yet that's what it is. And so, um, I, you know – Arthur Smith in, in, in Atlanta may allow for that to if he whoever gets drafted and learns behind Matt Ryan. I think the 49ers pick has a chance to be successful at the quarterback position. And then the rest is a crapshoot. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if New England moved up to get Davis Mills late in the first round no. uh, or, or drops back at 23 uh, to, to get him as well. That that might be the, the true winner. He's the closest thing I've seen to Andrew Luck uh, and kind of what Tom Brady does in in Josh McDaniel's offense. Wow, I love hearing that. That's great analysis. Uh, Ryan, with a minute to go, one more quick one. Am I right? I'm suggesting that this is going to be an amazing draft because people are going to reach for the quarterbacks too early. Some of them don't, I don't believe, deserve to go in the top nine or ten. They might all be gone. Five of the six we talked about. And then there's going to be brilliant football players available from ten to twenty that some teams are going to just look around and go, I cannot believe I'm getting this player. It's because of this early quarterback run. Am I on to something? Yo, totally, totally. And, and you know, when I do, do SiriusXM NFL radio uh, during the week, I tell people all the time I'm auditioning to be a general manager because I have a theory. It's just I, you pay the passer, you pay the guy that protects the passer, you pay the guy that rushes the passer, and that's who you draft as well. You don't pay the running back, you don't pay the – the wide receiver, you don't do any of that stuff. You, you can find those in, in, in bulk everywhere else. But if you can go get a quarterback, you go do it. And it wouldn't surprise me if all five of them go in the first five picks. If teams feel like they have to move up to get somebody, 
to change the direction of their football team and their franchise, and that's to have a quarterback. It simply is. You have to have a quarterback to get where you're going. Justin Jefferson was a wonderful receiver for Minnesota. In fact, he broke Randy Moss's record. But guess what, people? Minnesota wasn't very good. Wide receivers aren't going to do it. It's a quarterback, it's a pass rusher, and it's a guy to protect the passer. Those are the things you go draft. Those are the things you move up to, and those are the guys you pay. That's simply the fact. So if you're listening out there and you need a general manager, Ryan Leaf is on the clock. Give it to me. That's going to be my platform, and I swear to God it's going to work, people. Good to talk to you, Ryan. All the best. I'm always listening. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Leaf. So – He wants to be a GM. That'll be pretty interesting. Ryan Leaf has really turned his life around. I think he's a premier analyst now at the college football level. He was one of the great college football quarterbacks to come out in the draft, and it didn't work out with the Chargers, but it's working out now. He's got a son. He's sober, and he's breaking down quarterbacks in the draft. Thanks again to Ihole, the new international award-winning ultra-premium tequila with the smooth taste and the fun name Ihole. Is smooth and easy to drink on the rocks or in your favorite cocktail spelled H-I-J-O-L-E. Ihole! Thanks to Ryan Lee for joining us on Raider Nation Radio. Ball goes to the loony. Now back to Curry. Checks the clock. Seven to shoot. Working on George Hill to logo. Drifts right. Comes back left. Step back three for a step. And it's money. Cold, hard cash. Steph Curry is amazing. I believe he's hunting down the MVP award. JT, back with you. Those were brought to you by SalmonAshLaw.com. If you get into an accident, one group to call. SalmonAsh, 702-820-1234. Uh, usually things don't get me crazy. You know, I have opinions, you have opinions, we can agree to disagree. That's always been the format of my show. Often, I'm misunderstood because I, who the host of the show, I believe my opinions are gold and law. They're not. You, you, you have the right to disagree with me. I believe the MVP award should go to the best individual player. The record should have zero to do with it. Now, the record has a lot to do with it. If you're a great player on a great team, you tend to get more MVP votes. But I believe if you're Steph Curry and you're not in the playoffs, they're not in the playoffs as of now, they're on the ninth seed, that he could win the MVP because he's already won the MVP on the best team. He's the same human being. He's the same guy. We're not talking about someone different. So you've already awarded the MVP to Steph Curry a few times. So he's the same human being, same DNA, the same Steph that you know. Now he's not allowed to win it on a bad team? Of course he can It's an individual award. Now, when you win the MVP in the NBA Finals, you can only get that if you're in the NBA Finals. You can't win that if you miss the playoffs. So that award goes to the best player in the Finals. Andre Iguodala won that once for the Warriors over Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So I think that Steph is probably not going to catch Nikola Jokic for that award, but he is making a hell of a run. The verdict is in, in the Chauvin trial. The verdict is in. It will be announced shortly, uh, very soon. It could be read as early as 1.30 p.m. our time. So the Chauvin verdict is in. In Minneapolis, uh, there will be the reading of the verdict coming up. I bring this up because of the George Floyd killing. The verdict is in, and it will have an effect on sports. So I'm tying that in to alert you that the verdict is in. 
It's a live radio show. And secondly, to tell you, depending on what the verdict is, it will affect sports tonight. Okay, I'm not here to give my opinion, nor will I on the verdict. Uh, My opinion doesn't matter on this. The verdict has already been decided on. But depending on what the verdict is, it will affect the NBA tonight, where NBA players will either play or not play because of this verdict. And that's how you tie it into sports. So that's going to happen here. And I hope there's no unrest in the country, but I'm not here to give my opinion on the verdict. We'll see what happens, and I will tell you when the verdict is announced if you're not watching or finding another way or you're not going to get that information, or you will, on your social media device. JT, hour number one. When we come back, a reset with the Golden Knights, the PA voice of the Golden Knights, Bruce Cusick, and Russell Baxter, great NFL insider, as we count down to the Raiders draft on Raider Nation Radio. 